than the other. Many a prince had been run through for naming the wrong difference. Others had been slain for offences equally trivial, trampling the duke's camellias, failing to praise his wines, staring too long at his gloves, gazing too long at his niece. Those who survived his scorn and sword were given incredible labours to perform in order to win his niece's hand, the only warm hand in the castle where time had frozen to death at ten minutes to five one snowy night. They were told to cut a slice of moon or change the ocean into wine. They were set to finding things that never were and building things that could not be. They came and tried and failed and disappeared and never came again. And some, as I have said, were slain for using names that start with X or dropping spoons or wearing rings or speaking disrespectfully of sin. The castle and the duke grew colder and Saralinda, as a princess will, even in a place where time lies frozen, became a little older, but only a little older. She was nearly 21, the day a prince, disguised as a minstrel, came singing to the town that lay below the castle. He called himself Singu, which was not his name, and dangerous since the name began with X, and still does. He was, quite properly, a thing of shreds and patches, a ragged minstrel, singing for pennies and the love of singing. Xingu, as he so rashly called himself, was the youngest son of a powerful king, but he had grown weary of rich attire and banquets and tournaments and the available princesses of his own realm, and yearned to find in a far land the maiden of his dreams, singing as he went, learning the life of the lowly and possibly slaying a dragon here and there. At the sign of the Silver Swan in the town below the castle, where taverners, travellers, tale-tellers, tosspots, troublemakers and other townspeople were gathered, he heard of Saralinda, the loveliest princess on all the thousand islands of the ocean seas. If you can turn the rain to silver, she is yours, the taverner leered. If you can slay the thorny boar of Borythorn, she's yours, grinned a traveller. But there is no thorny boar of Borythorn, which makes it hard. What makes it even harder is her uncle's scorn and sword, sneered a tale-teller. He will slit you from your guggle to your zatch. The Duke is seven feet and nine inches tall and only twenty-eight years old, or in his prime, a tosspot gurgled. His hand is cold enough to stop a clock, and strong enough to choke a bull, and swift enough to catch the wind. He breaks up minstrels in his soup <laughs> like crackers. Our minstrel here will warm the old man's heart with song, dazzle him with jewels and gold, a troublemaker simpered. He'll trample on the Duke's camellias, spill his wang, blunt his sword, and say his name begins with X. And in the end, the Duke will say, Take Saralinda with my blessing, O lordly prince of rags and tags, O rider of the sun. The troublemaker weighed 18 stone, but the minstrel picked him up and tossed him in the air and caught him and set him down again. 
Then he paid his due and left the swan. I've seen that youth before, the traveller mused, staring after Xingu. But he was neither a ragamuffin then, nor minstrel. Oh, let me see, where was it? In his soup, the tosspot said. Like crackers. <laughs> Outside the tavern, the night was lighted by a rocking yellow moon that held a white star in its horn. In the gloomy castle on the hill, a lantern gleamed and darkened, came and went, as if the gaunt duke stalked from room to room, stabbing bats and spiders, killing mice. Dazzle the duke with jewels, the minstrel said aloud. There's something in it somewhere, but what it is, where, I cannot think.